Welcome to the Holy City Church Podcast Station. This is Pastor Angel. If you missed Sunday's sermon or want to listen to it again, you're in the right place. We're glad that you can take the time to catch up as we go through God's Word together. So I hope you're ready. But if you're not, grab your Bible. Let's get ready for what God has in store for us today. Let's open our Bible to Daniel 3, and we're going to be reading from the ESV. Uh, You can look it up in the screen, or you could read it straight on your your Bible devices. Say amen when you find it, please. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits, and his Breathe six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurer, the justice, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Then the satraps, the prefects and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justice, the magistrate, and all the officials of the province gather for the dedication of the image the king of Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And they stood before the image of the Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image the king of Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship should immediately be cast into the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image the king of Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of image should fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship should be cast out into the burning fierce furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affair of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your God or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made. Well, and good. But if you do not worship, you should immediately 
be cast into the burning burning fear furnace and you is and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hand Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answer and say to the king oh Nebuchadnezzar we have no need to answer you in this matter if this is if this be true our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fear furnace and he will deliver us out of your hands O king but if not be known to you O king that we will not serve your God or worship the golden image that you have set up heavenly father we thank you Lord, for allowing us Lord first of all to be here father and gather us your people father so father we thank you Lord to uh, for everything that you have done Lord throughout the day Lord everything is for for a purpose Lord everything you have commanded everything father so father I pray to you Lord that, that all my nerves and fear that I have Lord take it away Lord so that way I don't focus on them focus on you father so I pray Lord also for my beloved uh, brethren here and sisters Lord that they could open uh, uh, their, uh, they could understand Lord uh, every word Lord that come out of your out of your your scripture Lord out of your words Father uh, so tune it in Lord with their mind and heart Lord and open our heart to understand it Lord uh, so that way Lord we could worship you Lord with a sincere heart Lord and we ask you, Lord, in this, uh, this prayer, Lord, in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, you may be seated. I don't know about you, but let me ask this question. Have you ever felt like uh, you don't belong, like you don't fit in in certain situations? Perhaps uh, you feel like a stranger in a place like yesterday we were having some conversation in the breakfast house as a matter of fact that was a great great morning yesterday great oh, thank you for the food brother Alex and I've been in a situation like that where you feel like you don't belong in that and you feel like you want to get up and walk away well let me tell you when I came to America I was so excited because I was coming to be reunited with my mom after probably a couple of years being away from her. And we didn't come against our will. But we were forced to leave our country against our will because of political turmoil. So after many years living right here in the United States, like probably like 20 years later I went back for the first time now I'm a grown man with a family and I s to see and I was so excited to go back home and see and eat all that good food over there and see my, rela my relative and everybody was kind to us and for the first couple of probably two or three days but after that they started wondering when we were going back home to the states although we I'm from Nicaragua and I feel like I'm home in our country they know the son of our culture has changed some of my no longer the Nicaraguan slangs and the accents is no longer there it's like because we live in Miami 
and this is a very cosmopolitan city. Like uh, you see people from all over the world, especially there's a lot of Cubans, probably like 20 Cubans out of every other nation. <laughs> but and let me tell you, you don't have to to wear over there fancy clothing in order for for the people over there, the locals know that you that you're not from there. Oh, I remember I was wearing some short and white t-shirt and some sandals, and that's it. No fancy clothes. They already knew. I don't know why, but they already knew that you don't that you don't live there. Although we all the same. So now, for some of us, it's a bit different, right here in the United States. But for some someone like me, I mean, my own personal experience, it could be difficult sometimes, depending where you reside, um, in your neighborhood might look a little bit different than mine's or look a little bit different than yours, than the way you are. For example, um, I've been discriminated by Hispanic. You're probably like, oh, but you're Hispanic too. I've also been discriminated by black American and white American. And now, more than ever, I feel more like an outsider than ever before. Why? Why do I feel like this? Perhaps, why do you ask the question? Why sometimes you feel that way? When people know that you don't share the same view, the same Christian view. So I remember when I came to Christ and I say, quote unquote, I came. What I mean by this is that I answered that factual calling made by God, and I responded. God calls everyone, but not many people respond. I remember one of my coworkers telling me, I want my old Douglas. I want him back. I don't like this new Douglas that reads the scripture and pray for every meal at lunch. I couldn't understand what he was saying. Come on, man. It's me. I'm the same Douglas, bro. What's your problem? No, 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 Douglas. You're not. I was a stranger. I was a stranger to many who don't know the God of the Bible. So let's dive into the Word and see what Daniel has to say to us now and day. But before we do that, let's see how did the Israelite came to Babylon and how some of them became really important in the land that brought them against their own will. Well, we, ke- we see King Nebuchadnezzar came to power by defeating a coalition of Assyria and Egypt together. And by defeating both armies at the same time, he became an international power. This is a, a powerful nation at that time and with a powerful king to defeat two nations at the same time in those days. And I feel bad, really, for the Israelites because after, before their invasion, Assyria were attacking them. They were constantly in war with them. Not only them, but the other people around the region. So this is actually the book of Daniel. It's a book that we should be reading alongside Ezekiel and Jeremiah and, and the kings because um, they were, um, in, in some way, somehow... They were contemporaries, and they were calling the people of, the, of Israelite to repentance and return to the right relationship with God. 
I want to put a slide right here. Um, Jeremiah, how the, the uh, this is before um, we get to Daniel 3. This is actually before Daniel, between Daniel and transition of the book that is before Daniel. It's not Jeremiah, but it's late transition in the history. So we're going to see how Jeremiah, Judah, Jeremiah told Judah to submit it to Babylon, but he was considered a traitor. You can find that in Jeremiah 25. Babylon invaded Judah the first time and took captive. Three times Babylon invaded Judah, Israel. They took some youth and utensils from the temple. Now Nebuchadnezzar invaded Judah the second time, took some treasure from the temple and placed them on, this, on his palace in Babylon. Now the third time we see an invasion that destroyed buildings and broke down the walls of Jerusalem, taking items and bro basically taking everything. Taking everything that they possess. Now in Daniel 1, the people of Judah, of Judah were already captive and, and were taken to strange land that were their own, including Daniel and three of his friends. Now, yesterday we were having some great conversation about, um, I don't want to say uh, politics. We were talking about politics, but mostly about Christ. Mostly about how to live a, center, a central life in Christ, based on Christ and faith alone. And I, I, I don't know, the Bible, Bible doesn't say what these three friends and Daniel talk about in those, like, but I imagine they were talking about God. And but at that, at that time, we like, yesterday, there were a bunch of probably 40 and plus. <laughs> they were young and probably uh, not as smart, not as smart as uh, Daniel's three friends. Uh, but they were very kind. We were, I was hanging around with very kind people. So like, 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 like we do here. We, they all have a job. They were all given a job by the king at the king palace. And... Not only were given a, a, new, a job, but also they were given new names. And, and what the king was trying to do is change their, their view and, and, and change their culture. Now, in Daniel 2, that, was, that happened in Daniel 1. Now, in Daniel 2, we learned that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of a great statue that no one in the land could interpret. And the king became really angry and commanded all the wise men of Babylon be killed, including Daniel and his friend, if no one tells him the meaning of his dream. I'll be scared. If like the king saying like nobody, like all these called so wise men don't help me to understand these things, I'll be scared too. Like, oh man, this king, this president or this prime minister are going to kill us. If we don't tell him what he wants to hear. So God responded. So Daniel went back to his friend and he started having the conversation about this, this and that's going on. Now we, we got to remember that Daniel hold a high uh, a position in the temple. And so were his friend. This is uh, basically... Uh, high, uh, as high officials in the, in the government. But God responded and revealed to Daniel the meaning of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. So that was Daniel 2. So how now we are about to 
diving into the into Daniel 3 verses 1 through 7 and Nebuchadnezzar now built the image of gold as a strategy to unite the nations and set it up on the plain of Dura. Wow. Now, this place, Dura, is the same exact location where the Tower of Babel once stood up. If you probably don't remember, you could go back to Genesis and read, and Nimrod, he was the headmaster of the construction of the building of the Tower of Babel, trying to do the same thing, which is unite nations and culture because he wanted to reach out to God. Now it all makes sense now. The purpose was to provide a unifying, epic center, like I said, for all the people of the world. So King Nebuchadnezzar knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. This is a, this is not on my note, but Babylon is a modern day Iraq close to Baghdad that's well the capital is the, the capital of Iraq, uh, of Iraq is Baghdad so this is somewhere around that area Dura so at this point in time Babylon has become powerful empire now remember that he defeated two army at the same times so the image of the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had was a little bit different well, not a little bit different. It was way different than the one that he built. The image of the dream he had, the head was gold. We got to pay attention to this element. Represented the Babylonian empire. The chest and the arm were supposed to be silver. Representing the Middle Persian. The belly and the tie was the was made of bronze, representing the Greek, the Greek Empire. Legs and feet were to be iron and clay, representing the Roman Empire. I remember back in high school, my ninth ninth grade, my freshman year, I was in the war history. They were talking about Mesopotamia, Middle Persian, Babylonian. I, I remember not going. I didn't go to, to classes, but I used to. I mean. I didn't do my homework. It's a little bit kind of embarrassing what I'm going to say. I used to go to school to walk around and see girls, and my wife is here, and just to have fun and just play card with my, my, with my classmate. But I remember paying attention about these things. And it wasn't until I opened the Bible that I understood it. Now, these were the four kingdoms that that would dominate as the world power after Babylonian and all the elements that we just, uh, I just mentioned means great dominion, power, and glory. Well, great dominion, power, and glory. Great dominion, power, and glory belongs to the Lord only, not to, not to us, not to an empire, not to a president, not to uh, culture, not to ethnicity. 
but to God alone. Of course, me, if I were the king, and, and, and this is the thing, when you hear this kind of thing that you empire, you just think about it. If you're a king or, or, or whatever, or you're in charge of something, and you feel threat that your empire is going to be overthrown, of course you don't want that to happen. Remember, you, your empire only represents the head that is made of gold. So here is Nebuchadnezzar building the image in gold. Not only the head, but from head to toe. It's like, no way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my throne to, to the middle person or to whoever comes after me. No, 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 it's going to be made gold from head to toe. That's it. I'm, the, I'm Nebuchadnezzar. I'm the king. So then he ordered all the government officials and citizens to come and listen to the new decree, the executive order, the proclaim, that was proclaimed by the herald. Now pay attention to this word, the herald. We must remember that, that all these kingdoms that I just mentioned after Babylonian were only a vision given to a wicked king of a wicked nation. It was given to a wicked king of a wicked nation. And he had nobody to interpret the dream. There was one. And it was given to a man. A man, a young man named Daniel that was chosen by God as the main messenger. Announcing the establishment of a better, let me put it this way. It was given to a message to a mere man that probably he didn't understand himself either for a better king and a better kingdom that it was to come. All this kingdom was nothing but indicative of the king and the kingdom that it was to come. So the word here, herald, in verse 5 means an official messenger who proclaimed very important news. Now I know what Miami Herald means. <laughs> so here's the thing. Jesus Christ is the king. And he came to establish his kingdom. Not ours. We have little kingdoms. I call my my four-year-old son, Hezekiah. He's like, Daddy, help me build a castle like with a bunch of uh, pillows and <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> blanket everything. I'm like, man, we all build our own little castle. We all want to be a king. Let me tell you this. The kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God is still being built by us when we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Not ours. It's not our message. So we are his herald. We proclaim good news. We bring a message, a message that makes dead men come alive. A message that could make nations and language come together and worship the one true God.
we could proclaim it we could put it in very beautiful and articulate the gospel so perfect we have many preachers right now preaching uh, a gospel uh, uh, with so much uh, better word and, and, and they know how to articulate every sentence and the outlines are so perfect but let me tell you this that message was preached better by Jesus Christ on the cross and this is where the cross Augustine puts it this way the cross was the pulpit in which Christ preached his love to the world every time I look at the cross and I look at my at the way I deliver uh, the gospel on my, uh, on my, uh, to my co-workers or to anybody that I encounter he said man you know what this is the message that is preached better than anybody Christ was this is, this is the thing the cross was the popping which Christ preaches love to the world but also his wrath the wrath that we deserve the death that he died we deserve the death not him okay let me back to the text um, there were some consequences and warning if you didn't fall down and worship the image in verse 6 he says this will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace if they don't worship him immediately if you don't bow down and worship a false god. You know, this morning, I was uh, thinking about today's message, and I said, man, you know what? There's a lot of religion out there. There's a lot of people worshiping some type of idols. But this is the only, let's say holy word because everybody claims they have the holy word but this is the holy word with a God that created redeemed and saved and died for us every other religion they speak about moralism not this one this is the word of God this is the word of God that these three men believe and trust Now, why do I say this? We see this king now is forcing everyone to fall down and worship. Wow. I remember, remember Babylon was an idolatrous nation. Uh, I should have Oh, never mind. So I'm pretty sure there's in and I was going to say, I should write down my notes, the meaning of Babylon. Well, it's a lot of people, including me, sometimes have associated the, 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 the ancient Babylon with America. I remember like a, year, a few years back, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, a, this is the modern day Babylon. I'm like, I didn't know why I was saying that, but anyway. Uh, I was comparing America as the Babylon of the ancient Babylon. I don't do that anymore. 
because now I see that it's not, not only America that worship false idols. Now I believe that the whole world is a display of ancient Babylon. Everyone worships something. John Calvin says this, the human heart is a perpetual idol factory. I couldn't be a <laughs> create any more with Calvin than this. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. We're constantly finding an idol to worship. Even when we come to church. Sometimes we go to a church that best fit us. We find a, a pastor that is preaching gospel that is understandable but probably he don't have conviction but we follow him because he puts words beautifully we tend to follow man I don't know why by, uh, of course I know why it's by sin but we need to follow Christ no man we need to trust God's word no, my words. I don't have nothing good to say to you, seriously. Uh, I mean, I, if I could just read the Bible, the whole scripture, that's it. Because I, there's, nothing good in, no, there's nothing good in me. And I know that. But as a Christian, we live by a different set of rules now. That the culture won't approve. Or find it very attractive. We are now forced to worship God. We worship God because He's worthy to be praised. We don't fall down for no country, flag, ethnicity, group, culture, but God. But God. We agree on certain policies. But that's about it because we are in this country where at least we could cast our, our opinions. I'm grateful to be here. I don't hate this country. I love it. It's giving me the freedom to read my scripture. A peace without being persecuted or put into death or put into jail. Remember this. We're not of the, we're not of the world. So what I mean by this is that it's the hard attitude and our love must be for God not like I say not for country all of those things are going to disappear we're going to be one people one nation and there's only be one God there's not going to be a third that's going to threat us to be put in jail Oh, how good we behave. How good of a people we are. Now, we're going to be worship God. Philippians 3.20 says that we are citizens of heaven. That's, that's our hope. All the goodness that we have here is only a display of the goodness of God himself. As we're speaking right now, in some part of China, 
there's been report that if they don't, if they see any type of Christian activity, they will be compensated. Wow. Now, this is a country where 97 million Christians exist right now. There's plenty of story online about Christian persecution. You could, hear, you could follow the voice of the martyr. Doors, I think there's another one, door to door, something like that. Anyway, but there's plenty of story right there on voice of the martyr. And just because they believe in the name of Jesus, just because they believe in the name of Jesus, wow. They say, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of people claim, yeah, I believe in God, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah but as soon as you mention, I believe in Jesus Christ, they look at you like in a funny way. They don't have to say much. Yeah, yeah, yeah you believe in God, you're much better. During the rise of the Nazis, yesterday my son was making fun of me. I'm sorry, I used uh, this word. My son, Hakeem, he was telling me that that's not how you know, pronounce, that's how, how you don't pronounce the word Nazi. Nazi? I'm like, no, it sounds like nasty. I'm like, yeah, they were nasty people too. <laughs> they were nasty people too. So during the rise of the Nazis, how do you say that again? <laughs> okay. There's been report, I mean, I'm sorry. They were facing many errors, errors within the German society. This is what scared me the most. Like, not for me, but for my, uh, not only for my children, but for our children. And that's why I feel that it's important to preach the gospel to our children. So that way, when the time comes, they could stand firm. One of the problems they faced were, can you put it right there, please? Philosophical. Yeah. George Hegel was the chairman of the Berlin University and everything. Yesterday we were having a conversation like how this professor uh, changing the mind of the, of the student in university and colleges. And he denied the uniqueness of, of Christianity and rejected the Old Testament. All right. Then Friedrich Nietzsche. He was the son of a Lutheran pastor, and he wrote, I call Christianity the one great curse, the enormous and innermost perversion. Wow. These are son of the man that Hitler admired. Now, that was one error, philosophical. Then the second error they had as a society was theological. Yeah, many believe God to be irrelevant. And the glorification of man. Uh, we're not going to get into the other ones. Political, they had also the problem of political, economic, and constitutional. It's like all of these sound familiar now and then. You're probably thinking, that, oh, what am I talking about? This, you know, politics. So, why? Because God uses ungodly nations and wicked leaders to punish the weakness of the people. And more than that, he uses them for his own glory. Yesterday I was talking with Brother Rafa and I told him, man, well, and I think me and him agree, and even Pastor and many of you too, it's like the church is more, more, more beautiful when it's persecuted. 
in the book of Habakkuk 1.6 for behold I'm raising up the Chaldeans that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to size dwelling not their own so yes God uses ungodly nations and wicked leaders so that was the rule of the land a decree by the king to worship fall down or else verse 11 let me read it yeah. I'm going to be reading verse 11 from the New Living Translation which is uh, ESB and the NLT is my preference but it's more the words are more um, probably understandable the other one is too more theological it's hard for me sometimes to understand that, but I love it though. This is what it said. The decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into the blazing furnace. So you know what happened to the Protestant church in Germany. They got deceived. Verse 11 again. Whoever does not fall down and worship should be cast into the burning fear furnaces. Furnace. So the church in Germany got deceived. Some of them embraced Hitler, including the Catholic Church. And they're only made of one third of the of the nation. And the Protestant made for like two thirds of the nation, some, some something like that. But that doesn't mean that the Protestant, the Catholic Church embraced Hitler's idea. But the Protestant Church wasn't. Doesn't mean that they were innocent. Some of them, they embraced it as well. We were just talking today, earlier, about how some churches, some, I don't want to say it because it's going to be online, but some churches, uh, denominations have fallen away on the sound doctrine and healthy teaching of the scripture and embracing the idea of man's centrality and culture. Hitler was convinced that both groups will betray their God once he forced them to switch the swadika for the cross. Many pastors and priests did exactly that. They made the church look weak and powerless. That doesn't mean that they all stay quiet. There was a pastor, a Lutheran pastor in Germany, that spoke freely and publicly against Hitler. And the only reason he stood up against Hitler is because of this famous quote it's by the name of Martin Neumoller. So first they came for the com communists, and they and I did not speak out because I was not a communist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. In verse 12, we see an accuser 
coming to the king, there were plenty of accusers in Hitler time. So probably it's the same scenario here. <laughs> An informant, uh, what we call many in urban community as niche, came forward to the king accusing them that there were certain people didn't well, certain people know. God's, uh, Daniel's three friends didn't fall down and worship. They didn't have no one to speak for them. But they have each other. They all believe in the same God. And the God whom they serve, we only read about these three friends right here. What about Daniel right now? At this moment, like, okay. We're only thinking and reading about these three friends right now and they're, okay, and they're accusing them. So that mean, could it mean, could it be that Daniel just, uh, you know, let me, let me bow down and worship this king, knowing that he was in a high position, higher rank. What about Daniel? Did he fall down? So if we go back to Daniel 1 and 2, two we already know that he was a, an official of the king and probably he was attending the king's affair somewhere else out of town who knows or what about the rest of the Jews we don't really know much about them could it be that they refused and, or they didn't refuse and bowed up Man, let me tell you this is a scary way to die I, I wouldn't know like if I'm not in the middle of the situation or in that position right there I don't know what would I do. I probably would say right now, oh, no, no, I'm going to be <laughs> firm in the Lord, you know, so with all the books and knowledge that I had gained, that God had given me, like I'm going to stood up like they're firm, you know, a hero, superhero for God. To be baked like a cake? No. So why they didn't fall down and worship God? Knowing the consequence. Let me read verses 13 to 18. And we're going to wrap it up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage in order that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my God and to worship the gold statue that I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship and I have the worship that I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instrument. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then, why God will be able to rescue you from my power? So, when I was in my youth, when I was young, I was, uh, some of you know my story and my background. I was involved in many activities that I'm not very happy about now. And as a result, I was arrested and I was really scared facing the judge. And let me tell you something, when you're in jail, it's kind of funny, like every inmate, they think they're a lawyer. They're already, the first thing they ask you is like, well, what are you here for? Uh, for this and this oh you're probably going to get away with this they're going to offer you this they're going to do that and like okay you know <laughs> sorry 
en su hogar. Yeah, so there were some emails telling me the same thing. Blah, 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 you know, the whole night. So here I am now in front of the judge. In complete fear. <laughs> not knowing the outcome. Because I didn't know for sure what it was going to be. I can't even imagine what went through these three men when they were facing the king and being interrogated by him. Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my God? Wow. They could have come up with any excuse to fall down and worship. Probably something like, oh, let's do it. It's only one thing, one time. Let's fall down. But actually, you know, God, God will understand. You know, let's do it, you know. Why not? So let me ask you this question. What will you do? I just can imagine anyway right now. Just, just an image anyway, right? I'm forgiven in Christ. In Christ I'm free. These are the excuses that we probably be putting. God looked at Christ's perfect work at the cross. This is my favorite one. I, I'll probably be saying this. I'm saved by grace, not by work. <laughs> Let me fall down, you know. That's work, so I'm not saved by work. Yes. All that is true. But it's not about that. It's about who we believe. It's about who we believe and trust. And who we obey because we love. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my son. And he has become my salvation. This is Isaiah 12 today. 12 to behold God is my salvation but they didn't their heart were in tune with each other in harmony that's why it's important to fellowship that's why yesterday when I received a late text uh, uh, no, I think it was uh, at his house when he said um, Alex we should do this every month I'm like wow man yeah I believe so Could it be that they were, the, they were determined to follow God that took them out of Egypt? Not directly at them, but the people of Israel. Perhaps they were thinking on Exodus 20. You should have no other gods before me. Or probably they remember the word of, we, of the weeping prophet Jeremiah. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Who's trusting the Lord he is like the tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the streams and does not fear when heat comes. They were remembering God's word. That's for sure. They didn't have the scripture like we do, but they would have some type of writing, you know, by the old prophets. So I believe it's a combination of believing God's promises and trusting him. In Psalms 18.30 says, As for God, His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields 
all who take refuge in him. Verse 16 and 18. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. These men answered the king with confidence. They didn't stood quiet. They spoke. And without fear. And with an affirmative statement, they responded. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, they didn't even mention him, oh king. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you. And like then, we also must trust God and believe him in all circumstances. Listen to this. Listen to this. I believe him. I believe I believe in him. Not I believe him, no believe in him. So it doesn't matter the result of the election that are coming. God is still on the throne. And he forever will. Psalms 118.8 and 9 say, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. We are called to serve God in any field. Whether you are a janitor or a president. We have a duty. Our duty is to love God and love neighbor. No country, culture, or ethnicity and place them above all. Love God and love neighbor. Let me ask this again. Do you love God? Yeah, we all do. What about, do you love your neighbor? Who's my neighbor? <laughs> Who's my neighbor? So the answer is on Luke 10.30. I'm not going to read it. It's too long. But you could read that story at home, and you're going to find out who's your, who's your neighbor. It's not a person that looks like you, but think like you, or share the same view. Yesterday, uh, we're sharing this this morning, too. It, it breaks my heart to hear somebody be on the opposite side from our political view. It's really painful. There's no love. So we gotta love our neighbor. We gotta pray for those people that don't think like us. Because we serve God not a political party no blue and red listen beloved 
Christians are in a covenant relationship with God. We are not called to be militant and take sides. Especially now and day during election times and all this chaos. So let's continue trusting God on the earnest circumstances. Whether you're suffering with illness, finances, maybe you're suffering because your spouse, son, daughter, sister, mother, brother is not a believer and you want them to be saved. Keep pressing and praying for God's will. Because He is able to deliver and bring peace and comfort. Even if He don't. It is well with my soul. Now, I made this sermon intentionally because of the coming election, like we're talking about this. And whoever you have decided to vote for, pray for God's direction and wisdom, no looking down at the other person you voted against. Always with humility and with thankfulness that we are in a country that Christians still have a voice. And we can exercise our opinion without fear. And without nationalize Jesus or make Jesus a liberal. Jesus is not a Republican. Jesus is not a liberal. The current man in office is not the Messiah. And the other party that is running against him is not the answer to our problem. Jesus is. Jesus is king. 1 Peter 2, 18 to 25. I'm going to be reading this. It's a long, like six, eight, seven verses. Servant, 1 Peter 2, 18, 25. Can you put it on, please? Uh. Before that, I just want to read. Uh, leave, it, leave it there, please. This is the cry of Paul in Romans 7, 24. Wretch man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Jesus is the only one. So servants, uh, 1 Peter 2, 18, 25 say, Servants, be subject to your master with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is the gracious thing when Mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when your sins are bidden for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Wow. For to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he was suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judged justly. 
he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed for you were strange like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul this is our call to die to live Christ and to die every day in Christ is not to be a patriotic is not to be a nationalist is not to be a liberal is to be Christ there's an old hymn written by Edward Maud as a it was a pastor in a Baptist church in the 1800s. You know, it's very famous. You guys probably remember the word. It's like um, the title of the word or the, or the hymn. This my hope is built on nothing less. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness wells his lovely face, I rest on him on changing grace. In every high and every stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stand on Christ the solid rock I stand. When he shall come, when he shall come with trumpet sound, all may I then in him be found. Dressing his righteousness alone, foulest to the stands before the throne. We're all gonna be there one day facing the throne of God. Hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, would like to connect or listen to our library sermons, jump right over to our website at www.holycitychurch.us Again, we want to thank you for listening and remember, this podcast is not intended to replace your time at the church. So we hope you have a blessed week and talk to you again next week on Catch Up with Holy City Church. Holy City Church